this week that they actually, there's a name for this week between Christmas and New Year's. I'm actually really amazed at how many of you are here that how many of you realized it was even Sunday, right? <laughs> we, we lose track of what day of the week it is. They call this, apparently in Europe, they call this week Crimbo, which I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, it's Christmas Limbo, right? Like we are in that Christmas Limbo period where our work schedules are weird, the kids are home for some reason, that we're traveling constantly, and we are just in this, this space of moving between celebrating Christmas and kicking off the new year. And starting next week, as a church, we're going to get back into the book of John. And we're going to get back on track, and life will start to feel like normal again. And we'll continue studying the life of Jesus in the book of John. And I actually want to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. Uh, coming in a few weeks after we get rolling, we'll actually have a morning where as a congregation we can ask questions and respond and engage uh, with Pastor Jeff, myself, we'll have some other people up here to kind of engage open-endedly with questions that we've had as we've started to study the book of John. So as you get back into John in your own personal Bible reading, as you listen to the sermons the next few weeks, take some time and think through what are the questions that I have, what are the things that I, I want um, to bring up and want to understand better as we, as we start to study the book of John. This morning, however... This morning, we are going to answer the question, what happened after all the shepherds left? What happened to Joseph and Mary and Jesus? What, what did they go through? What did they experience? Because we know as believers in Jesus Christ that Christmas isn't the end of the story, right? It's, the, it's, it's really not even the start of the story. It's kind of the middle of the story. But we know that Jesus' life continued and that there was this whole other thing that happened. So this morning, we're going to look in the scriptures together. And I'm going to warn any of you that happened to be here last year on uh, New Year's Eve that uh, Deb and I are going to repeat ourselves this morning. So if you feel especially cheated that you didn't get a fresh sermon that we didn't do last year. A lot of you guys are new, so you have no excuse. But those of you that were here last year and feel really cheated, just let us know. We'll come over and like, I don't know, do some kind of custom job. You can sit on your couches and we'll, we'll preach at you. Our kids think this is a great idea. <laughs> they really want us to do that. Um, this is something that we've done from time to time. The book of Luke, uh, according to tradition, we don't know this. This isn't fact. But according to tradition, one of the major sources that Luke used as he was writing his gospel was Mary. That he actually talked to Jesus's mother years after the crucifixion, years after uh, her oldest son uh, died and was resurrected and then ascended into heaven, that Luke went and talked to her and got an eyewitness account. And that's why there's so many really specific details in Luke's account of what Mary was thinking and what Mary was feeling, things that only she could know. So because of that, this morning I've asked Deb to help kind of bring some of that out because there's some things that are happening here in Luke that really require a woman's voice and that was what Luke was getting, was that voice of Mary. So as we look at Luke 2 together, we start to unpack the rest of this story. So let's look starting in verse 1 of Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your coming. And we are so filled with joy. And we thank you for the celebrations and the remembrances that we've had, for the time that we've had of family and friends. Lord, for all the ways that we've celebrated you this week. And we pray that you'll be with us this morning, preparing us for this new year with you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our big idea this morning is that Jesus is beyond us. He is calling us to more. This baby was so much more than they could possibly imagine. So she had the baby. <laughs> From the moment the angel came to her, she had thought of nothing but that day, the birth. <laughs> She'd prepared for it and worried about it, waited impatiently, and fretted when her plans had to change <laughs> and then change again, and she had to leave home. And now it had happened, and it was a wild night. <laughs> Breathing through contractions, trying to focus on the smell of animals or the feel of Joseph's hand or the sounds of a city packed full of people, anything but the pain. And then the baby came, her son, her little boy. And he was perfect. And she was filled with joy. And she wrapped him tightly as she had been taught. And she laid him in the only bassinet she had, the animal's feeding trough. And exhausted, she looked down on him sleeping. And that's when it hit her. This day that she had waited for, this was only the beginning. This time that she had planned for and prepared for and wished for and feared <laughs> was done, and this was only the first day. <laughs> now she had to raise a son, <laughs> the son. God of mercy, how? 
and she was just beginning to feel truly overwhelmed when a bunch of shepherds showed up with their story of angels and bright lights and words of hope and music, and they were so excited, and their excitement was contagious, and her fears faded a little as she listened to them talk and watched the awe on their faces as they looked at her child. It's hard for your heart to be heavy when God sent actual hosts of angels to tell people that your son's birth was good news of great joy for all people, <laughs> that he wanted the whole world to know that. So she tried to hold on to that moment, to tuck it away in her heart and remember exactly how their faces shone, how Joseph smiled, how it felt to be certain and sure for a moment. Because after a while, they left. They went out into the city to tell everyone what had happened and be excited. And Mary and Joseph were just two people in a barn with a baby, <laughs> trying to catch a few hours of sleep between feedings. And in the quiet of 3 a.m., the fears crept back in. The feeling of inadequacy and a vague dread that she couldn't put a name to. And the days and the weeks passed, and she got used to the uneven rhythm of feeding a baby and changing him and cuddling him to sleep. And Joseph finally found them a house to stay in, and they moved out of the barn, and he picked up work, and they made ends meet. And from time to time, the shepherds came back to visit, and she was always glad to see them because they reminded her of that happy moment, that peaceful moment when she felt secure and sure. But the heaviness in her heart didn't go away. It was always with her. And sometimes the shepherds and their excitement grated on her nerves a little bit. <laughs> they seemed to think that now that the Messiah was here, everything was going to be miraculously transformed. But Mary had to change the baby's diapers. <laughs> and every time she did, she couldn't help thinking that it was a long way from here to a whole new world of freedom for her people. He was beyond. He was beyond them. Verse 21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites as required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. 
and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that is spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus is beyond us and he's calling us to more. So finally the time came when the law said they needed to go to the temple to prevent, present their firstborn son to God. It was a reminder that all the firstborns were his. And they would do the offering for her purification too because she was finally healed up and back on her feet and back to normal or what passed for normal now. <laughs> and so they went and Jesus was six weeks old. And traveling with a baby wasn't easy, but this journey felt important. It felt significant. After so many days of doing endless repetitive tasks, it felt good to be doing something important. And walking into the temple of God with the Son of God in her arms made Mary tremble. Joseph was a steady presence by her side, but she could tell he was feeling it too. No one else seemed to notice. They were just one more young couple in a new baby to be processed, another task in a busy day for the priests and the temple workers. And then as they crossed the courts, an old man came over to them and he wasn't wearing the robes of a priest, but he did have wisdom written on his face. And the moment he looked into Mary's eyes, she knew that he knew. His face was full of joy. With trembling hands, he reached for her baby and even though it made her a little nervous, <laughs> she handed him over. And the old man cradled Jesus in his arms, and he began to praise God. And she would never forget his words. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, <laughs> and the glory of your people, Israel. Mary felt a thrill. God had known she needed someone to see it, to say it out loud. It was another one of those perfect moments, a, a confirmation that everything the angel told her was really true. This was what she thought it was. Her little Jesus really was the Messiah, the Son of God, and God was going to work it all out. And once again, she tried to tuck this moment into her heart. She remembered how quickly her peace faded after the shepherds left, and she tried to hold on to it. And then the old man met her eyes over the head of her baby, cradled in his arms, and his look was steady, and his face was full of compassion, and his words were just for her. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It felt like the piercing had already begun. <laughs> that vague dread that had hung over her since the beginning crystallized into a horrible understanding. Her son was born to set his people free, which meant 
that for every person who loved him, someone would hate him. And those would be the people in power. Her baby was six weeks old, and already she knew she would have to face the worst thing that a mother can face. She was going to have to watch her son suffer. Verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to who all were looking for and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. He was beyond them. Anna had been a widow so long she could barely remember any other life. She knew she'd been a child once, obviously, simple and carefree. And she knew she'd been a young wife full of hope of the future. But both of those by now seemed like other people, like people she'd read about in a story. The hope had been cut short, and her husband had died after only a few years, and she'd been left with no one. And the obvious thing to do would have been to get married again, to have kids, to lead a normal life as a part of her community, but that never happened. Instead, she went often to the temple to worship and pray, to talk to the people who came through its courts. At first, she went many times a week, and then she would go every day, and then she would go and stay all day, this woman who had no family, no true home of her own, took the people of God as her family and made the temple of God her home. And the years went by, and she lived and lived and kept on living. <laughs> and days and weeks and months of being alone and yet never alone, becoming less and less like other women her age. <laughs> and 84 years later, she was one of a kind. <laughs> and she never left the temple at all. She just stayed there day and night, worshiping the Lord, fasting, praying, listening to God. And she had started to hear him pretty clearly by now. And everyone knew that she was a prophet, that she had incredible insight into how the commands of God applied to right now. And people listened to her, and by now they even came to her to ask her for counsel about their lives. Those people that had become her family looked to her to fill an important role. She was no one's mother, but everyone's grandmother. <laughs> she was old and wise and full of God's words. And the day the baby Messiah came into the temple, held in his mother's arms, that was the crowning moment of her long and strange and wonderful life. Her friend, Simeon, who knew he would live to see the Messiah born, was the first to see them, this little family. And when he held that baby in his arms and gave them his blessing, Anna's eyes filled with tears. She knew what it meant to him. So many times they had talked about the hope that was coming. She knew the joy he felt and also the freedom. He was free to go now, to stop waiting and go to his rest. And at 84 years old, Anna felt in every one of her bones how much that meant to him. <laughs> she thought her heart would burst with happiness. And she looked around at the temple full of people 
those who worked there and those who just come for the day to fulfill the law. This was her family. And now the hope of her family had come. The one who would give her loved ones their freedom. The one who would save her people. And then she couldn't help herself. And she went up to everyone who was there and told them what was happening. <laughs> she told them the good news that they'd all come to this place for the same reason. They were looking for redemption and the redemption was here. The thing they were looking for had arrived today with them at this same place. And she just had to tell them that their family was complete. Verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, Jesus is beyond us, calling us to more. For all his fears and for all the craziness of those early years, raising Jesus had turned out to be easier than Joseph expected. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> The beginning was definitely rough. <laughs> the baby phase, the crying, the sleeplessness, and then, you know, a sudden visit from three foreign kings warning them that they needed to flee to Egypt, a flight to a foreign country, and navigating the fear of living as foreigners there, not knowing when they could return home. But that was just a couple of years. <laughs> and in time, they heard the news that they were safe. And they'd gotten home, not just to their temporary home in Bethlehem, but all the way home to Nazareth. And they'd build a house, and they'd settle down, and they'd had other children. And for several years now, life had been almost normal. And in all that time, Jesus grew, and he was healthy, and he was strong. He was obedient to his parents, and he was kind to his brothers. He was a good boy, <laughs> and he was so smart, <laughs> The things he said, Joseph never had more interesting conversations with anyone than he did with his oldest son. And everyone in town spoke well of the boy. It was just hard to criticize a child who was good to everyone. And they'd always told him who he really was. He seemed to accept it as a matter of course, but he never tried to act like a king. He never demanded things of his mother. He never disrespected his father. He never looked down on his brothers. It seemed like those rough early days were behind them. Joseph could tell when he looked in Mary's eyes that she never stopped worrying. <laughs> he never 
completely stopped either. But his fears did rest for a while. The more he knew his son and the more years that passed with him behaving exactly as he should behave, the more he relaxed. Maybe this wasn't going to be as daunting as he thought. And he worked hard to train the boy right. They read the law, they followed the law, and every year they went to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the year he was 12, they traveled to Jerusalem just like they always had. And it was a good time, just like it always was. And many of their relatives and people from their town were with them. It was a joyful group. And at the end of their time there, they all traveled home together, talking over everything they'd seen and done, walking along. And Joseph didn't see Jesus walking anywhere near him, but that wasn't unusual. He had friends. He had brothers. He was well-liked. It wasn't until they camped that night that Mary came to him with a worried look on her face. She couldn't find Jesus anywhere. And Joseph tried to calm her down, and he went with her to ask if anyone had seen Jesus, but no one had. No one had walked with him, and their blank faces told the truth pretty clearly. They had left Jesus behind in Jerusalem. At this point, Mary came unglued a little. <laughs> Not that Joseph could blame her. I mean, the boy was strong, and he was smart, but Jerusalem is a big city full of strangers, and he was only 12. This kid was their most important responsibility. <laughs> How had they just lost him? <laughs> and Mary insisted they head back right away. No resting. They needed to get back to the city, even if it meant traveling all night. So Joseph agreed, though he planned to talk her into a few hours of sleep later. They left the other children with their relatives. They traveled as long as they could. Slept a little, traveled more arrived back in the city. The first place they looked was the lodging where they'd stayed. No one had seen Jesus since the group left. Then they visited every place they had been that week. And then they visited every person they knew in the city. No one had seen him. He was nowhere. Three days of searching for their son. Two nights of unsuccessfully trying to rest. And still they hadn't found him. By now, Mary was a complete wreck. Exhausted, terrified and full of shame at her failure as a mother. <laughs> nothing he could say would help at all. <laughs> there was nothing to do but keep looking. And so that third day, they went to the temple. Maybe Jesus had gone there, but if not, at least they could take some time to pray that he was safe. <laughs> and when they walked into the temple courts, there he was. Not dirty and disheveled and hungry as Mary had been imagining, <laughs> but just sitting calmly well-fed and safe, talking seriously with the teachers of the law who were gathered there. And Joseph noticed the looks of amazement on the faces of everyone who was listening to the boy. He knew what they were feeling. He had felt that sense of wonder before. When you discussed the law with Jesus, you heard things you hadn't thought of before. And as they, even as they approached, someone asked a question, and Jesus' answer was astonishing. But Mary didn't seem to notice any of this. <laughs> The second she saw her son, she choked back sobs and stumbled towards him and immediately threw herself on him. How could you do this to us? <laughs> Why have you treated us this way? We've been searching for you. And Jesus looked surprised, but he didn't look ashamed. He didn't apologize. He did hug his mother, but the tone of his voice was almost a reprimand. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Just like 
It was all perfectly clear to him, and he couldn't understand why it wasn't clear to them. But it wasn't clear. In Joseph's mind, a good son stayed with his parents. And if he had to go somewhere, he thoughtfully told his mother where he was going. And he didn't put her through the anguish that Mary had been through these last several days. And that was the moment when Joseph's dream that this might be easier than expected (laughs) disappeared. The boy was good. He was respectful and obedient, but he had his own agenda. Maybe his parents could count on his kindness, but they couldn't count on him to be predictable. They could teach him and they could train him, but they couldn't control him. And they went home that night and Jesus went with them and he was obedient as always, but there was no taking back those three days. There was no forgetting what they all now knew so clearly. He was their son, but he had another father too. And like his true father, his ways were not their ways. He was beyond them. As we come to this new year, everyone here has a conception of Jesus. We talk, we use these these phrases in church, like have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you're new to church, to the Christian faith, if, you, if those words don't make sense to you, they don't make sense to a lot of people. But this idea is that you actually have an ongoing relationship with the living God, that you know him intimately, that he's your friend. And sometimes that can lure us into a place of familiarity, a place where we feel comfortable, where we think we've got this thing down between us and God, between us and Jesus. But just like Joseph and Mary walked and talked and fed and clothed and loved Jesus every day, and he constantly surprised them. And the consequences of that relationship at times dawned on them. And at times we're painful. That's how it is for us too, no matter how long you've known him. Whether you're just hearing about him for the first time and you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus is or whether he has saved you and changed you and whether you love him, whether you're putting your whole faith in him and your family's future and your own salvation and everything rests on him and you truly know him and love him, No matter where you are on that continuum of knowing Jesus, he's still beyond you. And the more years you spend with him, and the better and richer and deeper your relationship with him, the more you'll realize there's still more of him. There's more of him than you can possibly imagine. And he is asking you to come find out how much more of him there is. As we come into this new year, as we leave this Christmas limbo, as we prepare the march towards Jerusalem that will be Easter, remember, Jesus is more than you think he is. And he's asking more of you than you even realize. And so we come to him as individuals, as a family, as a church. We come to him and we ask him, to show us more, to take us further. Let's celebrate this new year together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of you.
Lord, you chose beautiful and amazing people to love you, to take care of you. And it was hard even for Joseph and Mary to understand and grapple with the reality of what it means to have relationship with you. So we are humble now and we come to you and we say, please help us to understand. Help us to find the more of you that there is. We love you, Jesus. Guide us in this new year. Amen.